Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. And welcome back. Welcome back to this episode of Steelers Friday Night Six Pack. I'm Tony Defio, your host, and I covered uh, quite a bit of ground in the, the first half, and I'm going to use the second half to talk a little bit, bit about the Super Bowl and take some questions. So... What a Super Bowl that wasn't, right? Between the Buccaneers and the Chiefs. Well, I almost forgot who the Buccaneers played. It was uh, it was pretty boring. Uh, it was one of, one of the rare blowouts. You don't really see blowouts anymore in the Super Bowl. They're usually all pretty close games. It kind of reminded me of, of the uh, Super Bowls I watched when I was a kid. It seemed like all the ones in the '80s were were pretty awful. <laughs> they were just it was it was one blowout after another. Um, so I guess in that regard, it was kind of refreshing to see a blowout. Uh, and even though Tom Brady won MVP, the real story of that of that Super Bowl was the Buccaneers' defense, it, its pass rush, and the way it made life a living heck for Patrick Mahomes. I mean, the guy was running for his life the 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 whole day, and and if you really want to draw a parallel, maybe some symbolism from the past, it was kind of interesting how that game unfolded uh, a lot like Super Bowl was at 18 between the Raiders, kind of like a Buccaneer, right? And they were playing the Washington team, you know, kind of like the Chiefs. And and Washington was going for its second Super Bowl title in a row. And the Raiders just beat the bejesus out of Joe Theismann and, and, and held John Riggins in check. And it was practically the same score. It was 38 to nine. This game was 31, nine. And it was and it was in the same city, Tampa Bay. I forget what what the stadium was called back then, their old stadium, but it was kind of eerily similar uh, how how it all unfolded. And 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 um, you know, 
Patrick Mahomes for the first time in his career, really, he was humbled. You know, he, you know, he had lost to Tom Brady before in the AFC championship game a couple years earlier, but that was a, a barn burner and it was, it ended in overtime, but this was probably the first time in his career that he was really humbled by, by an opposing defense. I mean, they, I mean, you, you go into a Super Bowl and don't score any, uh, a high powered offensive like that offense like that only scoring three field goals, no touchdowns. That was kind of amazing. So Devin white, uh, Levante David, I mean, they were really the stars of that game and it was a tremendous performance by them. And he got to hand it to Brady. Uh, he knew what he was doing. It might not have seemed like it at the time when he signed with the bucks in, in the spring, but you know, he, he knows a good team when he sees one apparently. And, and we, we talked about how good of an offense that they had and he, he got Gronk to come along and, and, uh, eventually Antonio Brown signed with them, but, but, you know, it was an overall great team and, and, you know, they, they got, they got hot at just the right time. They were seven and five. They were struggling. They had their bye, and they never lost another game after that. So you got to hand it to Brady for, uh, for picking the right team. And as far as Antonio Brown's concerned, winning a Super Bowl, he did that and we're all still here. Life didn't end. Right. I mean, it was, it was, you know, if it would have happened two years ago, <laughs> after he he left here in, in, in an ugly way the the ugliest way possible then maybe it would have been harder to swallow but here we are he he caught a touchdown he, he won a super bowl as a bit player basically and all is still okay with the world you know how, how could you how could it be any worse right uh maybe levian bell wins one next year i don't know but or maybe ben leaves and wins one with another team god forbid um, so it was a, it was a, wasn't a, 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 an exciting Super Bowl, but it was, it was an interesting result. I thought, you know, Bruce Arian got his first ring. Uh, Brady got a seventh ring, you know, the city of uh, Tampa won yet another title. They're not like what Champa Bay or whatever they call it. Champa Bay. The, um, the lightning won the Stanley cup, the Rays were in the world series and now the, uh, the bucks won the Super Bowl. So Great for them. They're having a good time in Tampa, I'm sure. Um, there's a lot of transplants in, in the state of Florida, so I don't know how many diehards sports fans there are uh, in general. But but as far as all the bandwagon fans, I'm sure they're they're really enjoying it. And I wish I was down there with them, even even if I wasn't cheering for the Bucks. I just want to be in Florida and away from all this cold weather. So congratulations to Tampa Bay and and. Uh, We'll see if Brady could do it again at the age of 44. That wouldn't that be something. So those are pretty much all the uh, topics I have for tonight, but I have one more thing I wanted to uh, touch on before I open things up to, to questions. And that's Marty Schottenheimer passed away this week. And uh, he's a Western PA native. He was, he grew, he was uh, born in Cannonsburg. Um, he played for a couple teams in the AFL back in the sixties. You know, he was a nondescript player, a linebacker. Um, but he, you know, he didn't have the kind of career where he could, you know, set himself up for life. Not that many players back then could. And then he struggled after, uh, after his playing days to find a coaching gig. And if you ever watch a football life, um, about Marty Schottenheimer, you know, he, he talked about how, how his family was close to, to going under financially. Uh, you know, he, he didn't have a job. His wife was working. They had kids. 
and uh, or, or they were about to have kids, and um, it was it was tough. And you know, he was almost at rock bottom. You know, they were they were writing all these uh, NFL teams asking for 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 a break, college teams asking for a coaching break, and he couldn't really get his foot in the door. Uh, but a, a head coach for the Giants, I forget the guy's name. He he called him one day and asked him to uh, the coach one of you know I forget I think it was linebackers uh, for the Giants in 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 the early seventies, and that's where it all began for him. And, and he got emotional. You know, Marty Schottenheimer was like a uh, he was like Dick Vermeil and Jim Leland. You know, he was always emotional, always always uh, uh, crying, and 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 he got he got emotional when he, when he talked about how um, how this 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 uh this break that he got with the giants was was it changed his life and and uh you know he he ascended up the, up the coaching ranks and he became a head coach of the browns in, in the mid 80s and and you know he became one of the top coaches of his in the nfl for a number of years and and you know a lot of people look at him as a tragic figure because he never made it to the super bowl he had you know he had a lot of uh great teams in the regular season the browns and then he went to play coach of the chiefs he had a lot of great teams there and they never made it. Uh, the, the Washington, uh, although he didn't really coach it that long, but, but then he coached the chargers and he had the uh, best record in the NFL his last year, he coached them and, and he fell short again. So, and people look at him as a tragic figure, even though he won over 200 games in his career. Uh, and, you know, I get, I get that sentiment because, you know, I, I've I've heard players say, you know, when, whenever they have the Super Bowl or the Radio Row, I heard Mike Golick, you know, Mike and Mike, the old Mike and Mike show. I, I remember him one time saying, uh, he, that was a guy who never played in the Super Bowl, and he said, players like him, uh, they would they would go down to the Super Bowl and enjoy that week and do the the uh, the, the the radio tour and promote themselves and promote whatever they were involved with at the time. But before the game started, like a day or so before the game started, they would leave because it was very painful for them to to be around that game, being so that they never got to, to participate in it. And that was Marty Schottenheimer. So I could see, I could see why people would look at him as a tragic figure. But hey, I mean, the guy got to live his dream, and he got to do it at, at the top of his at, at the very top of his profession. And. Uh, life is really more about the journey than it is about the destination. A lot of people, especially nowadays with social media, uh, they're so worried about the destination. What, what have you accomplished? But sometimes the, the journey is, is, is what you remember more. And, and he built a great life for himself and his family. And Hey, it wasn't for Marty Schottenheimer. We never would have, we, we may have never gotten Bill Cower. Bill, Bill Cower was, he was, he was Cower's coaching mentor. He coached under him in Cleveland and then in Kansas city before coming here in 1992. Uh, and it was funny, uh, Cower kind of had that same uh, career as Marty uh, for a number of years. Um, you know, he, he would always make it to a certain uh, point, but he would never, he would always come up short. That is until Big Ben came along and that kind of changed his, uh, his life. Um, you know, Marty, for the vast majority of his career, he had Bernie Kosar, who was exceptional. And he, and he coached uh, Drew Brees uh, at the end before Brees left for New Orleans. But he never really had that top-notch quarterback that, that Bill Cowher eventually did. And, and, and that I think that was the difference. So uh, rest in peace to, to Marty and, and condolences, condolences to his family. And, hey, thank you for Bill Cowher because that gave me a lot of great memories. And I'm sure you too back in the 1990s. And 
into the 2000s. It was a, he was a great coach. Cowery's going into the Hall of Fame, and uh, he probably owes a lot to a lot, a lot to Marty. So, rest in peace to Marty Schottenheimer. So, I will now open things up to some questions. Here's one from Ryan Kellerman involving, of course, JJ Watt and TJ Watt, and it says TJ uh, already put a tweet out there, and you got to think that holds a lot of weight for JJ. It might hold some weight and maybe they would pursue his brother just to make TJ happy because TJ's now you got to say he's the best player on the team. He's their face. Uh, he's probably passed big Ben as far as importance for the organization, but it's just a matter of where do you want to put your resources? Uh, when you, when you're trying to retool, you know, um, if they if they're rebuilding, they're certainly not going to, going to, going to go after a guy like JJ. What if they're retooling, do they want to put their resources in an area of strength and you can, you can pretty much say their defensive line is an area of strength. Do they need another uh, JJ? Do they need a JJ? Watt? Do they need, do they need another exceptional defensive lineman? You know, and I realize the Steelers have been more aggressive in recent years, but when you, when you're talking about bringing in a Joe Hayden, I mean, their, their secondary needed upgraded and he was the start of that. If you're talking about trading out for Devin Bush, their defense surely needed that kind of guy in the middle of, of, of the field after the injury to Ryan Chase here. If you're, if you're talking about, about trading for, for Mika Fitzpatrick, that was a perfect storm. And, and they clearly uh, needed upgrade at, at the, at the uh, free safety position. Do they need that with JJ Watt? Do they need to do that at, on, on the de defensive front? And I don't, in my opinion, there's other areas they, they could address before they worry about JJ Watt, but Hey, I get it. I get it. It would be a great story if he came here. It would be fantastic. From a, uh, a PR standpoint, it would be, you know, I think as Steelers fans, we're all looking for a win, right? We're looking for some kind of a win after the way that season ended, right? That's why we were so disappointed that, that TJ didn't win the Defensive Player of the Year award. You know, we're looking for something to, to, to grab onto and to, and to, you know, give us some, some joy, right? So I, I get it. I get it. But it's just, I don't know if it makes sense from a, a, a financial standpoint for them, but we'll see what happens. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, as Dave Schofield pointed out today and in, 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 on our Slack app, you know, he doesn't have to wait till free agency uh, starts to, to sign with the team, meaning JJ, what they can sign him. They could assign him today if they wanted to, you know? So it's just a matter of uh, where he winds up and, 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 I got a few emails today. I get these emails. I don't know why from these odds makers. And I guess I do know why, because of my association with behind the store curtain. But according to the odds makers, the Steelers are one of the front runners to, to land uh, JJ. So we'll see what happens. Here's one from Chad Landsman. I am not looking for another meaningless statistical. I can't say, I can never say that word. Another meaningless stats season. That is our new standard. Uh, well, yeah, you're looking for a championship just like, uh, every other fan. So, well, you know, that's, that's, that's why they maybe have to, um, put their resources where it makes the most sense as far as build, build, being able to retool the team and, and build it into a contender again. Here's one from Mark Mazzaro. So I hope I said that right. When your defense is so totally dominant, it will ease the pain on a, on a young offense. That's true, but um, 
do they uh, do you mean they should sign JJ Watt? Because I think even without him, their defense is going to be really good. Here's one from Felicia Ballard. What is TJ going to do? A family discount for for JJ? We got to pay TJ first. Exactly. That's what I mean. That's what I mean by by allocating your resources where you need to where you need to do do it. I mean TJ Watt's going to be a top priority, if not this year, certainly next year. Uh, and then you have to address other areas of the team, you know. And you just signed uh, Cam Hayward to an extension, so he's locked up. Two, it's going to be here for I don't know another couple of years. He's still he's younger than than JJ. And as I said, you know, Alualu played so great uh, last year. You can probably get him for a quarter of the price that you would need to pay JJ, and you would still have a really really dominant defensive line with those three as they, as they proved last year. So. Again, I know they can make it work from a football sense. They could, they could put J.J. in there and rotate him in. It wouldn't affect Alex Highsmith. Uh, he could rotate in. You can move people around. The question is, do you really need that when you're as cap-strapped as they are? And my, my, my opinion is maybe not. Here's one from Nick Gill. Uh, I missed it. I was too slow. Fournette or Jones? I'll, I'll use. I'll, I'll I'll go back to Chad. I'll get Nick in a second. Fournette or Jones would be a good way to use cap money. Do you agree with if Price was right? Uh yeah. I mean, you know, you, you could probably find a, a decent running back in in the, in the, in early in the draft in the second or third round. But you know, if you can get one of those guys in here. I, I it wouldn't be a bad move, but I think their their top priority, I think, in my opinion, and a lot of people's opinion, is 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 to fix that offensive line. And now that you you're going to be without uh, Pouncey, uh, maybe it starts with center. So here's one from from Javier Mori regarding uh, Ben and uh, Pouncey's retirement. He's talking to Tyler and he says, I agree. I think this move by Pouncey has been considering hanging it up. Well, he's often said that, that uh, when Pouncey retires, he retires, or maybe Pouncey said when Ben retires, he retires. I, I forget how that, that went, but you know, they're ve very close friends and uh, you know, maybe he's going to reconsider some things now that he doesn't have his, his close friend and most immediate protector on the field around anymore. Um, but it could come down to just a business decision too, if they can't work something out as far as, you know, Ben might've said, I'll do whatever it takes. But what did he mean by that? Did he assume that he, that, that there was going to be a restructuring or did he, did he really think that they were going to ask him to take a legit pay cut? And, you know, he's not going to pay for the vet. He's not going to play for the vet minimum. There's just no freaking way Ben Roethlisberger is going to go from making uh, 19 million down to whatever the vet vet minimum is. There's just no way. I know he's made a lot of money, but these guys are really prideful athletes. These these big time athletes have huge egos, and I don't see him playing for the vet minimum. So the question is, what kind of what kind of a thing can they work out financially, and, and that and that will determine a lot about what how this off, uh, this off season is uh, uh, shapes up. Here's one from Rajan. O-line, receiver, and quarterback is where you spend money. Well, I don't know what you mean by, by quarterback. You mean like in general? Yes, yes. I, I, I When, when Le'Veon Bell was uh, holding out a few years ago, uh, 
an anonymous, an anonymous, I can't say anonymous either. Wow, what is going on with me tonight? Uh, executive said, you pay the quarterback, you pay the uh, the guy that he throws to, meaning receiver, you pay the the guy that the that covers the receiver, you pay the 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 pass rusher, and you pay the uh, the guy that that protects their quarterback's blind side. That's where that's where you start. So JJ Watt would be a a a a great priority if the Steelers needed that on their team, and they really don't. They need to worry about O line. Of all those positions uh, listed there, O line was number one, and, and receiver is really down is, is far down the list. Same with pass rusher; they really don't need, at least on the on the defensive line, they don't need a another defensive lineman. At least not one that they're gonna have to pay. But they would have to pay JJ what? So, Steeler chick says we might draft O line. Yeah, I can see them drafting O line and signing an uh, offensive lineman. Here's what else we have here. I think I missed one. Here's another one from Javier. Unlike some great quarterbacks in the past, I don't think Ben would even consider playing for another team. I'd be kind of shocked if he ever did. Yeah, well, I mean, he's got a he's he's got a growing family, and he's got three very young kids. So uh, the question is, does he want to uproot them at this point and 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 play elsewhere? And I don't. I agree. I don't see him wanting to play elsewhere. I think he he. He's uh, probably at this point of his life, he's probably more of a homebody than he was before he got married. And he seems to really enjoy spending time with his family and his kids. So, yeah, I think if, if push came to shove, he would just hang him up. I mean, he's, he's accomplished so much more than the vast majority of quarterbacks ever have. He's been to three Super Bowls. He's won two of them. Uh, he's, in, he's at the top of the... Of, of the uh, in, in so many categories, he threw six touchdown passes in two straight games. He's th- thrown for 500 yards. How many times, you know, the guy's an all time great. And, and, you, you know, people, you know, he's never gotten the credit he deserves during his career, but you know, there's no questioning his, there's no mistaking his greatness. So, uh, you know, anything he accomplishes at this point would just be gravy. So it's just a matter of, It'd be nice if he got a third ring here and helped Pittsburgh get a seventh. But if it doesn't, if it doesn't materialize, he has nothing to be ashamed of. So if he decides to walk away tomorrow, you know, more power to him. Let's see. Here's one from John B. What do you think we should do in the first round? Is Harris possible? Uh, to be honest with you, I haven't really paid a whole lot of attention to the, uh, to the, uh, the draft just yet. And uh, Harris is, I assume a running back. I I've, I've seen the name. I usually don't pay attention to the draft. I'm, I'm not going to lie until like mid to late March, because there's so much coverage of it. And I'm kind of burned out on football after the, at the end of the year. Um, but if I, if you're asking me what I would, what I would uh, address first, I would say offensive line. I think that's where the, that's the uh, position that's really deteriorated, you know, the quickest. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that, that it was the, uh, maybe the best in the league. And now it's, 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 it, they've all gotten old. I mean, there are some young prospects there. There are some, there's some hope of starting with Kevin Dotson, the uh, fourth round pick, the guard, 
from last year. And I like Zach Banner. I like Shooks. But there's definitely room there for uh, for some improvement, uh, for some retooling, for some re rebuilding. And we still don't know about the Castro. Is he was last year just an injury riddled year? Uh, there were, there was talk that he needed surgery, or has he hit a wall and is he deteriorating like Pouncey? I mean, they're not that far apart in age. Now, people forget that the Castro was drafted in 2012. So, you know. Sometimes when these guys hit a wall, it, it comes out of nowhere. So, you know, there's that's where I would go first. I would go O-line, um, possibly tight end. I think, you know, there, there's uh, Eric Ebron. You know, he was, in the, he was probably a better addition last year than people want to give him credit for because of all the drops. But, I mean, he was the kind of weapon that they, that they had been lacking at that position. But I think they still need to upgrade and get an, another tight end in there. So I'd go tight end, running back. I think you're set at receiver, uh, linebacker, uh, maybe another inside linebacker uh, to go along with Devin Bush. Maybe not in the first round, but second or third. Although, you know, Robert Spillane, like I talked about in the past, he's he showed a lot of uh, potential last year filling in for, um, for, um, for, for Bush. So uh, there's a lot of possibilities, and we're still two and a half months away, and uh, once all these players, I don't think there's going to be a, a traditional combo, right. Uh, this year. So, but there's the pro days and, 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 you know, there's so many things to, to evaluate with these guys between now and, and, and the end of April and things change almost on a daily basis, especially after free agency. I think that's when, when, uh, these mock drafts really start to get, uh, more, become more accurate when you, when you see what players do in free agency who leaves, who, who signs and what areas need to be addressed. Then I think it, it'll be easier to gauge and, and they're going to be drafting 24th. So, you know, if you thought, if you, you know, when you're drafting at the top of the, of the draft, it's a lot easier to evaluate and predict But when they're at the end of the first round, you just never know. I mean, it, it's, uh, I don't see them being aggressive in, in trading up again, uh, unless there's somebody that they really, really love. I, I don't see them trading out of the first round every year somebody says that, but it never happens. And I don't see, see the need for it. So it's too early, but if I had to, again, if I had to pick my, my top uh, area of need for them would be offensive line. So on that note, it is uh, 947 where I'm at. So I think I'm going to bid you all adieu. Uh, I got to be at work tomorrow at, at, at seven. Uh, I'm still recovering from my 16 hour shift. So uh, that should be interesting. Um, it was, it was a pleasure uh, talking with you all, and, and I hope you have a great weekend. And as always, go Steelers. Have a great night, everybody. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. 
to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.